Oh, I said I wasn't going to do any pinball podcast during the Thanksgiving break, but I woke up this morning and I felt compelled to give you all a belated Happy Thanksgiving episode 424 or 5. Which one is it? Let me check real quick of Canada's pinball podcast. 424 episodes. So I just put up the Lost Jarrett episode. Jarrett over at Stern Pinball. I think Jarrett's an awesome individual. We did that podcast over two years ago, right at the moment Star Wars Pinball was about to come out. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Please excuse the lack of audio quality. That was my old microphone. Uh, But I, I still, to this day, To this day, I do not understand why Stern Pinball listened to that show and wouldn't let him have permission to air the show. And it's funny when you listen to how much has changed over the last couple years because I talk about getting all these other Stern luminaries on the show to interview and and we were we were much more much more infatuated with Stern Pinball than we might be today. But you know this show. I, I call it like it is. I love some Stern games. I don't like some Stern games. I like some Stern designers. I don't like other designers. I like some coders. I don't like some coders. And you know what? I play it. I play it as I see it. I call it like I see it. Play it like I see it. What what the hell does that even mean? Anyway, so enjoy that. So what do I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? We have to start out by first saying that my Batman 66 Super Limited Edition game has sold and will be picked up uh, next Wednesday and going to a great new home. And I'm not going to tell you what I sold it for, but I'll tell you this. I didn't lose any money on it. So I'll tell you that right now. And it is kind of incredible that you can buy this high-end pinball machine, play it for two years, and not lose a single dollar on the machine. There are only 80 of the super limited editions out there. That has something to do with it. But I will say this. The buyer of my game said the only reason he was having the conversation with me and would pay the price he paid is that I had a playfield protector on this game from day one. And those of you out there who think that playfield protectors don't matter and don't add any value to games when you resell them, you're fooling yourselves. And so many Stern games, especially around the time period that Batman was made, look at their playfields. They look like a golf ball. They look like moon crater dimpled garbage. And I don't know what happened. Something happened in the last few years that made all these stern playfields look like trash, but they dimple so poorly. And if you're OCD and you want a game looking as mint as possible, a playfield protector is the way to go. All right, so that game is sold. And that means we're one down. And we got the Big Lebowski to go. And you know that that auction ends a week from Sunday. I really look forward to seeing what it goes for. Right now, the high bid is $15,000. So get your bid in. I'm getting a lot of hysterical Facebook messages from Lebowski fans who have no idea about pinball. Someone sent me a message yesterday that it goes, is this a full-size functioning pinball machine? And if it is, what is the cost? I mean, really? I can't wait to ruin that guy's day and tell him it's going to go somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000, and he's, gonna, he's just going to be like, I'll never hear from him again, all right? So, look, there is something I want to talk about first and foremost, and that is the forever in the making 
Star Wars Topper is now officially available and has an official price tag. Are you sitting down? $775 for a Star Wars Pinball Topper. How can we not talk about that right now? So here's the thing. It's a limited edition topper, and there will be only 500 of them made at $775, and it has R2-D2 sitting on a little metal platform, and he moves back and forth, and I think maybe his light, his, his little, you know, hologram thing lights up. Let's talk about this for a minute because I see Pinside like exploding and people saying how they're not going to buy this thing. And, and this is this is the final cash grab from Stern Pinball and we're not going to take it anymore. And I just have to say, what do you expect Stern to do at this point? You, all of you, and I, and I mean this, people have been running to this company and spending exorbitant amounts of money with absolutely no value in the packages for so many years and Stern Pinball has realized that all they ever have to do to remove money from people is make something limited edition and then, you know, don't add much value to it and wrap it around a good theme and they'll most likely sell whatever it is they're trying to sell. Get a good theme, limit it, don't add much and charge a lot. That has been their formula for a very long time. And so when I saw the price of this topper, I was kind of laughing because I'm like, well, you know, this doesn't even phase me anymore. After watching how morons went and bought sig the signature edition of Elvira, I I've said it, like what lessons are we teaching Stern when time and time again, we just jump in head first to anything they offer and we, we, we scoop it up regardless if the value is there. So yes, on a value level, that Star Wars topper is a complete joke. It's like $775 for that? Like that thing? You could go get any major video game console. You could go get one of the best phones in the world. You could get stuff with actual engineering and actual value put into it. And it just moves back and forth. Like it, 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 and it looks unfinished. Like it, it doesn't even look like they, the, the base of the thing just looks so bad. And when you see it on top of the machine, it also looks really bad. I, I, but, but that doesn't matter. It's R2-D2. It's Star Wars. And do I think Stern is going to sell every one of these? Here's the, here's the sad part. I do. Because the 20 or 30 of you crying on Pinside isn't even their target for this thing. It's the people who bought this game, who love this game. All they need are 500 people who love Star Wars game in their home. Uh, and they get a call from their distributor saying, hey, how would you like to you know, put the icing on the cake? There's only going to be 500, so make sure you get it now. So will they sell all of them? I mean, look at the Ghostbusters topper. That thing was 500 bucks, and it was a plastic garbage on top of the machine. Garbage. I mean, sometimes I wonder if people don't understand. Like, when you look at the Ghostbusters topper, it looks like cheap toys from China that they just stuck on top of the machine, and they charge people 500 bucks. And nowadays... You can't even find the Ghostbusters topper for sale. If you had one, I'm sure you could get more than 500 bucks. So I'm not surprised that the Star Wars topper is going to be even more money. Now, we all know Stern spent a lot on the Star Wars license, and they're, they're going to continue to milk this game 
uh, for as long as they possibly can. I mean, we just saw the reissue of the game with the new comic book art. But here's the thing about Star Wars in general. The Star Wars property now, as a property, has never been hotter. The Mandalorian just dethroned Stranger Things as the most streamed show of all time, I believe. Uh, You know, you got the new movie coming out in December. Star Wars land opening up in Disney World and Disneyland. Okay? Now, I still think that the Star Wars pinball experience is really lackluster. So this game, to me, won't be improved by putting an expensive topper on the game. I think Stern missed a real golden opportunity to make Star Wars an incredible game. I just don't think it is one. And I, I all the arguments in the world around like whether or not I'm right or wrong, it's all subjective. But I love Star Wars. I love the movies. The potential to just put the most amazing Star Wars world under glass was just missed. So to me, I, I, could, I could care less that two and a half years later, they finally figured out the topper. But it's more than the topper. And, and that's why people are reacting. It's the reality that Stern Pinball is charging so much money for stuff. And the value is just not there. But it doesn't matter because people will buy it. You bought Elvira. Now you you don't deserve any value. I, I have to say it. The people in this hobby are really embarrassing at times what they run towards. And I want to tell you a little story. And this happened to me this week. I was, I was waiting to pick up Brenda um, from her new job. Uh, she's working over at Facebook, which is awesome. I, I, was, I was waiting to pick her up. I had to kill a few hours. I was in the Type R in New York City, so I decided to go over to Modern Pinball, and I decided to play some pinball for for an hour. Now, the, the only thing that sucks about Modern Pinball now in New York City, I just wanted to play pinball for an hour, and they only sell you all day long pass. Like you, it's it's like you you can buy for the entire day, and there's no like hourly rate. So I had to pay like twenty something bucks when I only wanted to play for like forty five minutes. But whatever, okay. So I, I go in there, and they've got a bunch of Stern machines. They've got Bally Williams machines. They've got EMs. They've got Solid State. They've got Dialed In. They've got Star Wars, you know, the the John Papaduke one, Episode 1. They've got a bunch of stuff. they got World Cup Soccer. Uh, you know, they've got a Fishtail. They've got a Star Trek The Next Generation. And I go in there, and I just go around the horn, and I start playing everything. And I start, you know, and there's one machine or two machines uh, that really just like, honestly, when you're standing over it, I was just like, wow, like, look at all the stuff in this game. And then I went over and I played, they had a Monsters Premium, they had a Deadpool, they have Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and, and, you know, and new Sterns compared to the older games. And, and when you're only 10 feet away from the Bally Williams stuff and the Stern stuff, and it's right there and it's right next to each other. It's really easy to compare just like physically, like what's in these games, okay? Now I have to say this. The game that just like blew me away in terms of like the amount of stuff in it and and, and the amount of like toys and gadgets and and loops and ramps and habit trails and cannons and lights and, and sound and call outs from the actors of the show was no other than Star Trek The Next Generation, and they had one there, and it played beautifully, and, and I, I came away from that game, and then I went over to Munster's Premium, and I went over to Deadpool, and I went over to the other Stern games, and it's so hard for me 
to have a pinball podcast, to do an assessment of pinball machines and what are we getting for our value and Stern selling these machines for $6,000 to $9,000 to $15,000 and to just see what's in these games and then to go play Star Trek The Next Generation and look at all that's in that game and, and then say to ourselves that where is pinball gone in 20 years? Like these games now are so expensive. Toppers are $750. Elvira with a piece of couch is $15,000. And I'm, I'm here to say it. Like these games comparatively next to like a Star Trek The Next Generation or World Cup Soccer, they're like embarrassingly barren and empty and without hardly anything interesting on the play field. And yet we're spending so much money on these games. And I walk out of there. I walk out of there and I think about, you know, Chris, you do a show about pinball. You do a show about pinball buying and you do a show about pinball collecting. And I, and I really have to give it to Stern. They have created an environment. They've created a bubble in which people have stopped even questioning what they're getting for their money. And their sales are indicative of that. Like they have incredible sales numbers year over year over year. And I think it proves the power of the theme. I think it proves the power of reliability. I think it proves the power of consistency, right? They don't stop. There's going to be three to four new games a year based on themes you love. And the games, for the most part, are going to be really reliable. But they've cut corners. There's no, no denying it. Go over a modern Stern game and look at the play field. It looks like a golf ball, okay? Go look at the mechanisms in them. How, how many of them actually have like anything interesting going on mechanically? It's all in the code. It's all in the theme. It's all in the artwork. I have said it before. Everything that pretty much cannot break is where they sort of attract us. But man, jump on a Star Trek The Next Generation. And to me, that's like pinball wow. That's just pinball wow. And then I jumped on World Cup Soccer, which is not even one of Papa Duke's most popular machines. And that game's got tons of wow stuff going on. More so than I even saw in Raza when I watched the videos of Raza. Same designer, but lots of stuff going on in the games. And that's all we want to see. I know that. That's what you want to see in pinball. You want to see stuff going on. Right. And I just I just had this like, I don't know, this moment. And I have this a lot where we we moan and groan. We complain about these prices. But if you keep buying these games at these prices, who's to blame? Who's to blame? And I, I've said it. I think 2020 is going to be a year in which a lot of stuff is going to come out, a lot of stuff competing for your your dollars. And I can't wait. I can't wait to just clean the slate of my two games uh, and then figure out what to get next. The crazy part is this too. After I sell these two games, I will have generated close to $30,000 uh, in my bank account for, from selling just two, two pinball machines. I mean, that's ludicrous. 30 grand for two machines. And, and you think about the experience of these machines. These games don't give you ten dollars to $15,000 in entertainment value. It's insanity. We are lost, all of us in this hobby, at, at, at simply just not even wanting to think about how much this stuff is costing and what's in it. 
And uh, my God, for like $9,000, you feel like you should have everything and the kitchen sink put into a game. You'd think companies would start to look at games, you know, like, like Bonsai Run again. And like, why not have something creative going on with the back box? Why not have something more creative going on with the topper? Why, why can't you design a game in which the ball goes up to the top of the machine? Let me just, let me just dream for a minute. You're telling me after 20 years of understanding what to do with the pinball machine and cabinet, you can't design a game in which the ball physically travels up the back box, goes up to the topper, and shoots out and comes back down into the play field. That, you, we, we can't figure that out. We couldn't have figured out with Willy Wonka how to make the Wonkavator actually break out of the, uh, the back box and become like an amazing interactive topper during that mode in the game. We can't, we can't figure this stuff out mechanically. doesn't seem that hard, okay? I just want, I just, yeah. And, and here's the crazy part. What, what, what if, what if after going on location or visiting your friend's house in which they have tons of pinball machines, what if you come out of that experience with just a revelation that I really enjoy playing pinball. Pinball is a lot of fun. But the desire to own any games at these prices is now dissipating within my mind. I don't really care. I don't really care to own these super expensive games anymore because for a few reasons, uh, I can get my fix close by. Now, I know not, not most of you can do that. I also don't care anymore because I really do. I think the status and the cachet that comes with owning these machines is, is like gone now. I mean, there's so many games out there. So many of them have the title limited edition. So many of them collector's edition, limited edition, signature edition. It's at the point now where none of it really feels special. None of it feels unique. None of it feels that innovative. And when I hear people talk about innovation I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. And I listen to other shows and I hear people talk about the innovation. And the, where is the innovation? Please, someone, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and tell me where the innovation and the outside-the-box thinking is taking place right now with so many of these games, okay? Am I, am I being, again, it's because, I, I don't know, maybe Star Trek The Next Generation is a bad example because it's a wide body and it's jam-packed with stuff. It'd be like playing Twilight Zone and being like, well, everything feels barren next to this. But, but man, those games were cheaper than these games are now. I don't get it, okay? All right, what else is going on in pinball right now? So if you buy an American pinball game, you get $500 off your next new inbox American pinball game. And it can be a Houdini or an Oktoberfest. But here's the problem with this sale. And if you go and look at used game prices right now in the market trends for American pinball games, you can go get a Houdini with lots of mods in great condition for 5,900 bucks. You can go get an Oktoberfest for $6,100 tomorrow, shipped to your door, and you'd still be saving yourself way more money than their current deal. So what this must mean is they must be sitting on inventory, and there must be inventory at American Pinball, and distributors must be holding on to games, and they need to get rid of them. But here's the trouble I see. They have officially announced that their next game will be revealed at Texas Pinball Festival. Now that's four months away. 
So what's on the line over the next four months? Like Flying Dutchman Redemption games? They need to get more games on the line. I still don't understand. With all these homebrew games, with Alien Pinball needing manufacturing, with the Big Lebowski needing manufacturing, why isn't American Pinball going out and getting a game to put on the line that has built-in demand and just make it and just keep making it? They, they could sell Big Lebowskis at 12.5 and just keep pumping them out. I still think they would sell. And, you know, and if AP could help maybe make the boards better, because that's what AP does. They make their own boards. If they could help fix some of the quirks of that game, why not do that? You know, so I'm just confused, but I'm, I am looking forward to AP's next game. Now, here's what I heard. I heard they had two games in, that they're making. One is licensed, one is not, and they will bring the game out that is finished first at TPF, Okay. All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? There's a great interview on the Slam Tilt podcast with Steve Bowden of Deep Root Pinball. And Steve talks about Raza, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. So I would definitely go check that out. What's interesting about uh, Steve working on this game is, you know, normally, normally uh, a game is designed with the software engineer and the mechanical engineer and the game designer together. You know, so you get together, you figure out the game, you figure out the storyline, you figure out the shots, the modes, you know, how you're going to sort of all bring it together. This is different. And when Steve talks about it, you'll hear it. Like, he basically was just given this game that was already designed by John Papaduke, and it's his job to bring the game to life with code. Now, that makes me a little nervous that this thing is sort of being built in silos and is, you know, and, and how will that translate or how will that manifest into a final game and gameplay experience? Uh, because there's, there's a lot going on with this narrative of being in an adventure land and Ned and then you've got like zombies and you've got all this stuff going on, duck targets spinning and this and that. I'm not sure it's all going to come together, and that's always the challenge, and I think when people look at a game like Jurassic Park and why people love it, and we've said this before, it's because Keith Elwin designs the game with the rules and the code in mind, so everything is thought of at the very moment of inception, and there's a reason why Jurassic Park is now the number one game on Pinside's top 100. So congratulations, Keith Elwin. This guy, unfreaking believable what he's done. Two games, two home runs, two games that are going to win best game of the year at the Twippies without a doubt. Nothing, nothing is even going to come close to uh, winning that award other than Jurassic Park. I'm sorry, all you Willy Wonka fanboys, I know. You're the same way with the Pirates of the Caribbean fanboys. I know you guys love your games, but thousands more are buying and enjoying the Stern titles. And that's you're just never going to win because of votes. <laughs> you just don't have the votes. And also, those games are just not on location as much. You, you really have a hard time finding uh, you know, a Willy Wonka on location, but you can find Stern games all over the country, all over the world far more exposure to a, a stern machine um all right so so like yeah 
Steve Bowden's got to code and unravel the mystery of John Papaduke. So we'll see how that comes to fruition. But, um, you know, at some point, you know, March is going to get here and we'll, we'll figure it all out. All right. So what else is going on in the pinball world? I, I took a, you know, I had, I wrote down a few notes for this show, but the other thing I want to talk about, you know, we talk about value, value. Did I, did I just say that weird? Here's the thing. What if I told you that a Black Knight LE with only 88 plays is $6,900 right now, all right? And a Munster's Premium, black and white, $5,900. And then a Big Bang Bar, which Chicago Gaming Company has already said they are going to make more Big Bang Bars, is being listed for $16,500. So, look, we are at a point now. And, and you have to feel it. You have to feel it. Lots of games, lots of games for sale, lots of new stuff coming. The market is softening. It is softening. It's never going to crash in pinball, but it is very soft right now. And I, I, I really, I, I love putting money in the bank and I love waiting to see what comes next. Now, what games do I really want to buy next? Here, here's, my top, here's my top five list of games that Canada is considering to put in his bedroom. All right, number one on my list of if you gave me this theme, I would want this theme. Number one, Big Trouble in Little China. It's not happening. I just want that pinball machine. Number two on my list of themes I would want in my bedroom because I love it so much and it'd be perfect for pinball, The Matrix. I really want a Matrix pinball machine. I'm still kicking myself. I did not buy that reskinned uh, version of Johnny Mnemonic for 20 grand. Okay, now they're 30 grand. Stupid. 30 grand for a pinball machine. You can go get a Honda Civic Type R for almost that much. All right. Number three on my list, if you make it, I buy it, is ready for it? Toy Story. I love Toy Story. I love all the movies. I love all four of them. I think it's the perfect theme for pinball. And I know that Jersey Jack's making it, so it makes me even more excited. All right, Toy Story. The next one, Guns N' Roses. I love GNR. I've always been a huge GNR fan. Part of my life's story revolves around Guns N' Roses, so I can't wait to see what Jersey Jack does with Guns N' Freakin' Roses, okay? Now, Stranger Things is also, I would put Stranger Things and Guns N' Roses together, I would really, it would really have to blow me away, those Stranger Things. It, it, it just, there's something about the fact that I love it as a show, but I'm not sure how all three seasons would play out in a pinball experience that would be super rewarding and have longevity to it. So that's where I'm at right now. Now, look, you know how it is. You wake up one day, and that's your top five. You wake up next week, you might have another theme that you think would be awesome. You know, I love all the 80s nostalgic stuff. Like, I love Top Gun. I would love, oh, man, like Die Hard would be awesome. I would love uh, Transformers Generation 1. I forgot to say that. That's always number one for me. Transformers Generation 1 and Akira are just, they're just like above number one for me. They were just like, if you made these games, I would just buy it. I think Akira would be awesome. I think it would be awesome to make an Akira. If you haven't seen that anime, go check it out. It's where Kaneda comes from if, if you weren't aware of that. So, look, I, 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 I don't know what 2020 holds. I really don't. I, I, I actually was just listening to a new pinball podcast that's out there. I believe it's called the Super Awesome Pinball Podcast. It is with Dr. Pin. Christopher Franchi and Ed Vanderveen. Now, Chris Franchi was kind enough to give me an 
early uh, link to listen to the episode, and I was listening it to it this morning between like 6 and 7.30 in the morning, uh, I would definitely check it out. You know, Chris loves, he, he has a history in podcasting. He loves to produce these segments. They're highly produced, highly stylized. And, you know, I, I'm all for it. I mean, I think it sounds really interesting and entertaining. And, you know, if I could give them any advice, and they're only in episode one. Uh, and someone told this to me a while back. And they came to me and they said, look, my son is 12 years old and he loves to listen to your show, but I can't allow him to listen to it if there's curse words. And so could you do your shows without cursing? And it, it really stuck with me. It's like, wow, like I, I can do this show without cursing, without swearing, without you know going nuts. If I want to do a Pinside Babies episode with ex- like you know explicit language, I can easily let him know. Uh, so that's one of the shows he won't let his kid listen to. And since then, since then, I, I haven't sworn on this show. Maybe a couple times by mistake when I'm talking about Elvira, but for the most part, uh, I don't think you need to get like explicit to to get your point across. Um, and so, you know, but look, everyone's going to do the show they want the way they want to do the show. And Chris is very outspoken, and it's it's definitely got some explicit language in it. Um, they're going to do it every two weeks. They're going to try. The challenge with that always becomes keeping the news relevant. And being relevant and capturing the news when it happens is something we try to do a lot on this show. Hopefully, we 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 do enough of that for you. Hope I think a lot of people listen to this show to get the news without having to listen uh, to other um, or, or to go on forums to find the stuff out or weed through the pin side forums. Okay, so t- check it out. Super awesome pinball show just came out today. Uh, check out the Slam Tilt show. Uh, a couple of other things, and I'm, I'm going to let you go. So I got an email from someone saying, you know, Chris, you don't talk enough about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and how great this machine is and how awesome it is and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I don't, I don't talk about the machine simply because uh, I've said in the past, I do think it's Spooky's best game. I do think it's, it's a phenomenal game with great animations. The shots are tight, but you know that. But that game to me, when they got the code and the shots, everything dialed in together, and the animations are some of the best, and the way that game sort of invites you in, I think it's a great game. I think people are enjoying it. Uh, do I think it's at the same level as, as a Stern Premium or a Jersey Jack machine? No, not it's not there yet. I think the sculpts are beautiful, but you know, don't don't mistake sculpts for actual mechanical things. But Spooky has always done the smart thing and they've grown uh, at the pace they can grow and they innovate at the pace they can innovate. And so I, I, I don't know what else to say. They're going to make all 500 when Charlie said he was going to make them and then they're going to move on to their next title. Is Rick and Morty going to be Scott Denise's? I don't know. Now, speaking of Rick and Morty, I forgot to mention this. I also was inundated with emails saying how amazing Rick and Morty is and that I should give it a try. I want to clarify that I never said that Rick and Morty wasn't a good show. I just said that if I was going to pick a theme for pinball, I wouldn't start there. Because I do think it's a show you've either seen it and love it, or you you know nothing about it. 
Now, yes, you could say that about everything on some level, but for the most part, if you look at the themes that Stern does from an IP standpoint, it's stuff that has much more universal awareness and knowledge. But that look, I get it. I'm going to check the show out. I, I, I understand that it's the perfect kind of humor and storyline for pinball. So that's great. And if they make it, will they sell a few hundred? Can they sell thousands of Rick and Mortys? No, no way. Uh, but if Scott Denisi wants to make 750, absolutely. I think that's within realm um, of possibility. But there's no way that you're going to sell thousands of Rick and Morty machines. Uh, do you disagree? Canadapinball at gmail.com. Come on the show and tell me how you think Rick and Morty is going to sell thousands of units, okay, versus like Batman or Godzilla or Ninja Turtles, okay? It's just not there. It's just not there. Uh, I do get it's one of Hulu's most popular shows. But again, I, I, I don't think the crossover to the pinball buyer base is as strong as people think. I can just see Ben Heck screaming at me right now. All right, what else is going on? I got an email from Jeff over at This Week in Pinball. He wanted to clarify something about the Twippies. In my last episode, I think I joked uh, that how many Canada Pinball Podcast votes did not get counted because people spelled my name wrong. And he wanted to clarify that every which way people spelled Canada was tallied in the voting. And I, I know it was, Jeff. I was just joking with you. The one thing I'd like to see, and he knows this. And I, I want to explain real quick why I think this piece of information being left out really is unfortunate for those of us who spend all this time and energy making pinball podcasts. So last year and the first year, when you won uh, for best pinball podcast or, or, or when you had a write-in category, they did not tell us how many votes we got, nor did they tell us what percentage of the votes we got. So the margin of victory is unclear to me. So I don't know if I won by 50 votes, 500 votes, 200 votes, one vote. I don't know if I got 60% of the votes or 20% of the votes. It's, it's all up in the air. It's one big question mark. And here's why I just think it's important. I, I, I think whenever you do anything, you want to be able to measure how well you did. And you want the data necessary uh, to see year after year Am I improving? Am I getting more votes? Am I expanding uh, my, my vote reach? It would also be great. It would be great to understand where the votes are coming from. Am I, am I, if I got listeners in Australia, in Europe, and whatnot. But, but here's the thing. I really hope they open up uh, and let everybody know in this year's Twippy how many votes they got and what the percentage was of victory. Uh, because I also think it's important for people finishing in second and third place to know how far they have to go. And, and I know Jeff's response was, we don't want to discourage people from doing their shows. And that's why we didn't reveal that information. But what, what, what? like, what other, what other like voting uh, or, or election type of thing do they withhold the votes to not discourage people. I mean, we live in a world in which it's an election year in 2020, and all we're seeing are where people stand in the polls and how popular they are. And if if you get information that is discouraging, it makes you do two things. It either makes you improve or drop out. 
And maybe, just maybe, that might be beneficial information for people to have. But here's the thing. I don't think people do pinball podcasts to win or lose a Twippy. I don't. I think every single person who picks up a microphone and does a pinball podcast does it because they love pinball, because it's entertaining to them, because they enjoy doing their show. It doesn't matter whether or not they win or get recognition at the Twippies. It really doesn't. Now, I've always said that the Twippies mean a lot to me, and winning them does mean a lot to me in this show, because since the day this show began, we've always been on the ropes against the Pinside Forum and all the other people out there that just didn't want this show to have a voice. I also try to make the best, most entertaining show possible. And and the only recognition we have right now uh, is the Twippies. So it just, it just means a lot. I do love the recognition because for me, winning a Twippy is really a victory for you. For everybody that listens and loves this show, I love carrying the mantle for all of you because I know that when you have to tell people that you enjoy Canada's Pinball Podcast, that sometimes people roll their eyes, they don't understand it. But I know that for those of you who love this show week in and week out, victory at the end of the year at the Twippies is somewhat of a validation for all of you who enjoy this show. And that's why I want to win. I want to win so you guys can celebrate the fact that um, together we're creating a very entertaining pinball podcast. And that's it. That's it. Nobody's making money. Nobody's getting rich. I'm not getting like a big endorsement deal out of this whole thing. All right. All right. What else is going on in pinball? Let me just close the show by saying I am loving loving watching people unbox their collector's editions of Willy Wonka. It's a stunning pinball machine, without a doubt. It is one of the most beautiful pinball machines that has ever, ever been available for sale. I'm also not seeing anybody. You know, we covered the other side of the story. We need to, we need to address this. I am not seeing anybody unboxing a Willy Wonka collector's edition noticing any pooling or playfield clear coat issues on their games. And and I mean that that it, we need to we we should applaud the fact that it seems like Jersey Jack has figured out the issue with these playfields. Uh, it's still early on, so let's see how these games hold up, but we were seeing people pull out of new inbox games when when he had issues with pirates and Wonka LEs and standards. People were seeing the pooling right away. So the fact that we're not seeing pooling now is a good sign. It's a good sign. And I'm glad they figured it out because these are expensive machines. I still, you know, I still think the topper looks like an Oompa Loompa took a dump on top of the machine, though. I definitely would put a new topper in that game. And I think uh, mirror blades would look better than the inner side art. But other than that, this this thing is gorgeous. So I, I think Jersey Jack, uh, once again, has delivered a beautiful pinball machine to the world. Uh, all right, anything else that I want to talk about in pinball? I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, ours was incredible. It was me, Brenda, and her sister, Rebecca, and Bubba. And we watched the Bulldog win best in show on the dog show. And we watched football. We went to see Knives Out. It's just Thanksgiving's the best. It's the best holiday. It really is. And, and the best part about it was about like 
10.30 at night, this couple outside was screaming at each other, and the woman's just like slapping the guy in the face. And I'm like, well, that's just, you know, what, what a great day to, to be assaulting your boyfriend on Thanksgiving. Anyway, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, I love the fact that you tune in every week to hear what we have to say on this show. Let me ask you guys to do me a favor. I gave you my top five themes that you would love to see in a pinball machine. Like, what is your dream theme? Can some of you email me at canadapinball at gmail.com what your top five themes in pinball would be that, that, that are not currently available? I want to see if anyone has Rick and Morty on that list uh, because, you know, I took a lot, a lot of heat about saying Rick and Morty was not a great theme. So that's it. Give me your top five. And if you want a big Lebowski, go to my Facebook page or email me at canadapinball at gmail.com to get your bid in. Everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Stay with me, girl. Play with me, girl.